Well, good morning once again, Bell Shoals family. My name is Corey Abney, and I serve as the lead pastor here. And so grateful to welcome those of you with us here at our Branding Campus. And as always, those of you who are a part of our online community, it's always uh, a privilege to have you with us. We welcome you today. And I just want to say congratulations to those of you who were baptized today, to your families and friends. What a special day. 27 families represented all across Bell Shoals today. And uh, we thank the Lord for that. And I also want to thank those of you who participated in our marriage conference Friday night. We had a great time, a lot of fun, had Rick and Sherry Burgess with us. And we also had a special celebrity appearance from none other than Bruce Harvey of uh, the Family Feud. Uh, for those of you who don't know Bruce, he... He uh, baptized today, led our baptisms. But Friday night, there was a version of Bruce that I had never seen before. And uh, I, I grabbed a picture and thought I'd bring it with you and uh, I wanted you to see it. There it is. I posted that yesterday. Bruce grew out that mustache on Friday. And uh, then I think he shaved it yesterday. He's back to normal today. He had a velvet jacket. I guess that's an Amazon or eBay special. And uh, we had a little uh, husbands versus wives family feud. And for the first time in human history, the husbands won, baby. We took care of business. It was awesome. And then we went home and we apologized to our wives and... Uh, tried to make reconciliation, but uh, it was a great time. It's been a great weekend. And if you're new to Bell Shoals, um, we're just truly uh, grateful to have you with us. And we're in a teaching series right now called Roadblocks. We're talking about some roadblocks that prevent us from being where God wants us to be, where he's designed us to be, roadblocks that keep us from experiencing his very best for us. And uh, we just kicked off the series last week. We talked about the roadblock of pride, which is uh, actually the root cause of every roadblock in our lives. And so we, uh, we sought to tackle pride last week. And today, as we continue in this series, we're gonna tackle the roadblock of anger. The roadblock of anger. And just like last week, no applause. Nobody excited about that. Um, nobody excited to come talk about pride. Nobody excited to come talk about anger. Uh, I know we're definitely hitting on some touchy topics, but, but anger is another one of those roadblocks that get in the way and keep us from experiencing God's best for us. And, and, and let, me, let, me, let, me, let me just say this at the outset. I don't think there's ever been a time that our society has been more angry than it is right now. Like, I think this word about anger is more needed today in our society than ever before. We live in a society that is full of angry people. And there are ways that we express our anger today that are unique and that are profound, and I think it compounds the, the anger that's inside of a lot of people. But, but, but make no mistake about it. I mean, in any generation, anger is an issue. It may surprise you to learn today that the Bible talks a lot about anger. 
And that's because the source of our anger problem is not external. Yes, there are external factors today that I think are unique in our history, but the ultimate source of our anger problem is not external, it's internal. We have hearts that are broken. We have hearts that are prone to do things the opposite of what God intends. And therefore that leads to all types of heartbreak and heartache and pride uh, comes from that and anger comes from that. And so the source is internal. Anger's really always been an issue for us to navigate. It's just more difficult today than ever before. I'll give you an example. Just about, I don't know, 30 plus years ago now, a little over 30 years ago, 1978, in the Gator Bowl between Ohio State and Clemson, the famed Ohio State football head coach Woody Hayes did something that resulted in his termination. Uh, some of you may remember this. It was the Gator Bowl. Ohio State ended up losing that game, I think, 17 to 15 toward the end of the game. Ohio State's trying to come back and kick a game-winning field goal or score a game-winning touchdown. And Ohio State's quarterback threw an interception. And the Clemson player who picked the ball off ran down the Ohio State sideline. He was shoved out of bounds in close proximity to Coach Hayes. At which point in his anger, he grabbed the Clemson player and he punched him. <laughs> somebody said, amen, doesn't like Clemson. We gotta, we gotta somebody doesn't like Clemson. I, okay, I, I respect that. Um, man, some of you may remember that. It was a really, really big deal. Woody Hayes, um, one of the most famous coaches in college football history, certainly Ohio State's most significant figure in terms of coaching. And here's the thing, that act of anger that overcame him tarnished his legacy as a coach. I mean, he punched a college student after he picked the ball off. It was shocking. We, we think no doubt of moments in our lives when anger has gotten the best of us and we've said or we've done something. We, we, we've seen it in others, no doubt. People you work with, people you go to school with, right? Even in the church, we've, we've seen these types of encounters. And so we know anger can be an issue for any of us, for all of us. It's primarily an internal problem, right? But as I said, there are more external pressures today than ever before. Someone said, anger is all the rage these days. <laughs> I think that's right. Man, social media has uh, really exacerbated the problem. A recent Yale University study demonstrated that social media encourages the expression of anger the more we use it. Why? Check this out. Companies are profiting off of all of our anger. Anger is the number one expression on social media that generates clicks and interest. The, the way companies generate engagement is often through inflammatory statements. And anger is good business. And then you couple with that just our own insistence to make our opinions known, people who have burner accounts and people who hide behind a username that mask their true identity, people sometimes even with their own name and their own identity who feel free to say things online that they would never say to someone else face to face. 
And we just have this culture, this society now that not only do we have just our own internal issues that we've got to navigate, but now we have these external outlets. And, and here's what we're seeing. We're, we're, we're seeing a generation of people now who are prone to anger as something that is normative, right? We don't do news anymore. We do debate, right? Like there's not just sports talk radio. There's like shows where one person has an opposing view from the other and they argue for three hours. And we find that interesting. Sometimes I think they're arguing for something that they don't truly believe, but that the show producer says, this is what you're gonna argue today because it's good business. And then you just look at all the dysfunction out there, all the division politically and otherwise, we live in a very angry society. And um, there's a couple of dangers that surface as a result. Okay, first of all, we, we don't have the same measures of responsibility and accountability that we used to have. People say things on social media and people say things in text messages and emails that they would never say to someone's face. That's... That's not healthy. People hide behind emails, they hide behind text messages, they hide behind social media accounts. And, and, and people therefore have outlets to their anger that they've never had before. And they keep pressing into those outlets because there's little responsibility or accountability, right? Secondly, um, we, we are losing the art of personal dialogue and interaction. We have a whole generation of people who think, that a text messages that text messages suffice when actually personal conversations are appropriate, right? We text, we communicate through social messaging when actually no, there should be a personal dialogue that takes place. And and then thirdly, we we compound the problem of anger by by constantly encouraging emotion without resolution. And so what we have is you put all this together, right? We have people who are free to say things they would never say because they're saying them through a, a, a mode that's not personal, and and therefore like they've lost the art of what what it means to have a hard conversation or say something to someone or apologize to someone face to face. And therefore what happens is we have all of this emotion that we're accustomed to carrying without any resolution. And so you have a lot of people today with a lot of pent up anger and frustration. They express it all the time, but they don't ever resolve it. So you have this culture of emotion without resolution. And can I just keep it real with you? COVID brought out a lot of bad in a lot of people. And I don't think COVID started our anger problem. I think it revealed it. And I know where you work, you saw the same thing I saw as a leader that people in their anger and frustration said and did things that were so far over the line, you couldn't see it in your rearview mirror. And those of you who are educators, I know you dealt with parents and people and you heard things like never before. I, I know those of you in business were making decisions that you thought you'd never have to make and you were dealing with people and 
hearing things that you thought you'd never hear, you know? And, and, and we've, we've been through this season the last couple of years where, I mean, the boy, there was a really, there was a really intense year, year and a half there where it just was kind of like, man, people, people just lost their minds. And I don't think that's new. You know what I think is a little bit new to our society? People lost their minds and they felt the freedom to kind of let it known, be known <laughs> through anger and hatred and slander. And it's like, we just kind of went through this little season where a lot of people lost their minds. I'm sure a lot of pent up frustration with COVID and all the rest, but it, it kind of all came out and it, it's just kind of all revealed to us that, that, that we've got a massive roadblock in our society. It's a roadblock of anger. It's a roadblock of anger. Anger is often caused by one of three things. Number one, hurt. So, you know, it's physical hurt. It's emotional hurt. It's relational hurt. I mean, you hit your thumb with a hammer and you probably don't say, well, praise the Lord. That's probably not what comes out of your mouth, right? So if it's a physical hurt, it's an emotional hurt, right? That produces anger. Secondly, a frustration. You're carrying frustration with someone or something and that can get the best of you if you carry it, right? Like traffic, I mean, hypothetically, um, traffic in our area. Um, three letters, DMV, right? A lot of angry people at the DMV. Um, third, a third reason we get angry is fear. Um, you feel threatened, you feel attacked, and, uh, and you respond, right? So whether it's some type of hurt in your life or your family, whether it's some type of ongoing frustration you carry, or whether it's something born out of fear, anger manifests itself in our lives, and then it impacts either our mood or our mouth, or sometimes both. And then if we're not careful, it becomes a roadblock to God's best for us in our marriages, our families, our businesses, and our other relationships. And so today I want us to think through this roadblock of anger because, man, here's the thing. The gospel of Jesus Christ changes everything. And I just have a good word for you today. If you don't know the Lord, you know, I mean, especially if you do, I just want you to know the solution to this roadblock is the grace and the kindness of Jesus, the power of his Holy Spirit. There's a path forward. And, and that's why God in so many places throughout his word talks about this issue of anger. Again, it's not new. I mean, we've got some unique expressions of it today, but the problem itself, the roadblock itself is not new. So let me hit you with a few Proverbs here that have been a great encouragement to me through the years. And frankly, at times, um, a means of conviction, all right? Here's what the Proverbs say. Proverbs 14, 29. People with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. Proverbs 15, 18. A hot-tempered person starts fights. A cool-tempered person stops them. I would add to this, this is not scripture, but a skinny person avoids them. That's kind of uh, been my mantra over the years, okay? I only get prone to having fights when I'm standing next to some really big people, all right? And then I'm pretty tough, but um, no, look, a hot-tempered person starts fights, right? Even fights that person shouldn't be in, but your anger gets the best of you, a cool-tempered person stops them. All right, Proverbs 16, 32. Better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. Because you know what happens when you conquer a city without self-control? You can't govern it. So better to be patient than powerful. Proverbs 19, 11. Sensible people control their temper 
They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. Man, this is so helpful. A part of our society leads us to be so immediately responsive. You send the text, you make the post, right? You send the email. Like we have literally at our fingertips now, the ability to respond. And, and, and can I just encourage you with this sometimes, if, if this is a roadblock for you, th- there are times when it's okay just to let something go. I love that scripture. Sensible people control their temper and they earn respect by overlooking wrong. There are some things that can be overlooked or forgiven. You know what one of my favorite scriptures is? Love covers a multitude of sins. Not everything has to be addressed. Not everything warrants a text or a social media post. Sometimes you can just overlook, you can let it go, okay? Um, Let me tell you, Proverbs 29, 22. An angry person starts fights and a hot-tempered person commits all kinds of sin. And then one of my favorites, Proverbs 25, 28, look at this. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Now that doesn't make any sense to you and me because we don't live in cities with walls. But back in the day in which this was written, a city's wall, right? The walls that protected cities, that was their defense. That was their only defense. And so what the, what the author is saying is that if you are a person that allows the roadblock of anger to manifest itself in your life on a regular basis. You're like a city with no walls, meaning you are defenseless against the enemy's attacks. You have no defense. And therefore, the attackers in your life, the agitators in your life, just think about this, have no resistance and they largely govern how you respond to things in the world. You're a city with no walls, open to attack. And so the the Bible has a lot to say about anger. God has a lot to say about anger because it's a roadblock that often prevents us from being where we need to be. And if I could boil all of this down to one succinct statement, here it is, okay, here's, here's, here's the root issue, okay? Sinful anger is uncontrolled anger. That's why I noticed Proverbs 25 and others emphasize self-control. Better to be patient and powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city, right? A person without self-control is like a city with no walls. And so if you're taking notes, just jot this down. Sinful anger is uncontrolled anger. In other words, as you're thinking about this roadblock, the answer to your anger problem is not to never be angry. We don't live in a world where you're never gonna be angry. And I know some of you who are newlyweds, you're like, my, my spouse and I, we've never argued and we've never been mad at each other. And we don't have to worry about anger. Okay, we'll come back next week because I'm gonna talk about the roadblock of lying and being a liar, okay? And um, not really, I might, but uh, no. All right, but seriously, like, you know this, I know this, like, okay, you're gonna live in a world where you get angry. Okay, that, I just want you to understand the Bible's prescription to this problem is never don't get angry. Now that should encourage you. It's, it's not don't get angry. No, 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 no. So what's the issue? The issue 
is are you walking and living in the power of the Holy Spirit? Because the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And what the Bible speaks to with respect to anger, as we've seen in the Proverbs, is an anger without self-control. And so sinful anger is anger that is uncontrolled. You're governed by it. You live in it. It's kind of consumed your life, your mind. And, and there's just, again, more people today like that than ever before in our society. And so, and so, and so let, me, let, me, let me take you to a, a really helpful passage of God's word that speaks directly to this. This is amazing to me because I think this is written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus. And I actually believe if we could say, hey, Paul, would you help us in our relationships today in 2023 in the United States? I think Paul would say exactly what he said to the Ephesians 2,000 years ago. This is actually amazing, and it shows you the beauty of God's word and how it applies to all people in all situations. Let, let, let me take you to what Paul says. Here's what he says. He says, do not sin by letting anger control you. And don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. He goes on to say this. Okay, some quick hitters here. He says, if you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work. And then give generously to others in need. He says this, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. In other words, avoid these roadblocks we're talking about. And remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Therefore, look at this, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior, and instead be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Is that not a word we need? Man, we need that word today. Because sinful anger is uncontrolled anger. And God has a better path forward for you and your family, all right? And so, so a couple things, just shot this down. Let me walk you through some things that Paul highlights I think are so, so very practical. Number one, I told you anger is not about like, you know, just never having it. It's about controlling it. And, and therefore, here, listen, we get angry because God gets angry. Anger is a part of our emotional makeup. It's, it's a part of the fabric of who we are. And so, like, if you ever wonder, why do I get angry? And here's this guy telling me that there are going to be times I get angry and I should be angry. Why is that the case? Well, because you are made in the image of God. You're made with emotion. You're made with feeling, right? Like, you're made to care about things, to be emotionally and relationally involved. That's good. And so you get angry because God gets angry. This may surprise you, especially if you're new to the Bible. Check this out. Over 350 times in the Bible, it says God is angry with something. Do you realize that not all anger is bad or sinful anger? There is anger that is good and appropriate. Can I tell you some things that make me angry in the world? Injustice, abuse, racism. It makes me angry in a holy, righteous sense that our world 
is allowing biological men to intermingle with young girls and women. Man, that is deeply troubling to me, right? That is deeply troubling to me. We, we have a world that is corrupt, right? Um, the Bible says over 350 times there are things like that that grieve the heart of God and produce a righteous anger in him. That's okay. An anger that's born out of love and an anger that's born out of holiness and an anger that's born out of justice is appropriate. And listen to me, if you're a follower of Jesus, there are some things about this world that should provoke in you a holy, righteous, just anger. Not an uncontrolled anger, not a selfish anger, but a holy, loving, just anger. Not all anger is bad. Can I tell you something I'm angry about this morning? The referees at the lightning game last night. Okay, anybody else mad about that? I mean, that is a holy, righteous anger, okay? They were terrible. And if any of you are visiting today from out of town who refereed that game last night, Jesus loves you, but vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. Okay, I just want you to know that. No, no, I'm teasing. But man, there there are things in this world that should... provoke in us a holy, loving, righteous anger. Someone harms your family, right? Our world holding up values that bring harm into our families, our schools. Man, that's, that's a holy anger. And you say, well, why would we feel that? Because your heavenly father has made you to feel that. Right? You feel that as an outworking of that which is good, holy, and right. And so you get angry because God gets angry. There's, there's nothing wrong with good, godly, holy, righteous, loving anger. Okay, Again, the problem is uncontrolled anger. And you can even at times be angry for the right reason, but express it in the wrong way. And so again, sinful anger is uncontrolled anger. We get angry because... We're, we're made in the image of God. And so here's where the rubber meets the road. Let me tell you here, this is what Paul's talking about then. Being angry is a reality then. Okay, there are times we're going to be angry, but living angry is a choice. Being angry is a reality. Why do we get angry? Because God gets angry. We, he's made us to be angry over things that are born out of love, justice, holiness, There are times you're gonna be angry. Being angry is a reality, but here's what Paul is talking about in Ephesians 4, but living angry is a choice. And again, I just think there's more people living angry today than than ever before in our society. And that's where Paul says, look again at verse 31. Here's Here's the solution. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Here's what he says. You got to set these things aside. And and here's, here's what he's talking about. This word anger in Ephesians 4, okay, is not a word that, that's talking about a momentary reaction. The word anger here in the New Testament means a settled anger of the heart. 
something that you're dealing with on a regular basis. It's something that defines you, something that's characterizing your action. It's, it's, it's a settling of the heart. It's, it's not just, hey, I, I, I blew it. It's, hey, I said something in the moment I shouldn't have said. Okay, no, that needs to be addressed. But no, 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 what Paul's talking about here is deeper. He's talking about a settled anger of the heart that prevents a roadblock between you and the life to the fullest that God has called you to live. And in that settled anger, here's what Paul says. It's a choice. You don't have to live like that. If you're a follower of Jesus and you've been set free from the power of sin in your life, the Holy Spirit leaves within you. This Holy Spirit has a fruit that, that he is going to be shaping in your life. It's a fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and self-control that leads you to put off all not some, all bitterness, all anger, all malice, all slander. Paul says, get rid of it. Being angry is a reality, but living anger is, angry is a choice. That, that settled anger that you're living with does not have to be there. And let me give you a little word of warning here. That settled anger shows up in those of you who are introverts and those of you who are extroverts. Well, we often think of, well, it's those extroverts that have the anger problems, right? We often think of those volcanoes that erupt, those, those men and women who blow up in their anger. I got a word for those of you who are introverts. You may not blow up, but you clam up. You're not a volcano, you're a crock pot. You're not a spewer, you're a stewer. But that volcano will rise to the surface at some point or another. And I just want you to see that the, the anger Paul's talking about, that settled anger of the heart impacts, can impact all of us, whether you're a spewer or a stewer, whether you clam up or blow up, whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, this is a settled anger of the heart. Listen, there are times you should be angry, but there is never a time you should live angry. Now the Holy Spirit has given you joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, and we should see over the course of our lives how the Spirit is maturing us to lean more and more into his fruit and less and less into our folly. So, so why do we get angry? Well, the Lord gets angry. Anger born out of love, justice, holiness is good. So you're going to be angry, but don't live angry. Third, just make a note of this. Here's the key then. Here's how we, here's how we control it. You got to slow it. Here's, here's what the scripture says about how to control your anger, right? It's, ne, it's not to say, well, I'm never going to be angry. No, there are times you're going to be angry. Maybe you should be angry. But in your anger, Paul says, don't sin. And so slow it down. This is the lost art in our society. This is what we've lost. 
but through the power of the Holy Spirit, it can be gained and regained. James 1.19, look at this. I love this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Notice James, like Paul, does not say, don't ever get angry. No, that's not the point. The point is in your anger, don't sin. The point is, James says this, be slow to get angry. Lean into the patience and the kindness of the Holy Spirit. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And so, and so here's, here's my encouragement to you this morning. Knowing that anger can grow, it can settle to affect both your mood and your mouth, right? Here's, here's the key. Before you hit send on that email, and lose your job, <laughs> sleep on it, sleep on it. Run it by someone who loves you and cares for you. Have them look over it for you. Slow your roll, take a breath. Memorize a couple of these Proverbs, recite them in your mind. Pray and lean into the Holy Spirit's protection. James says, be slow to anger. Maybe you should be angry, but in your anger, don't sin. Don't cultivate a settled anger that governs you so that you're a city with no walls. Before you send that text, that's gonna alter your marriage or your friendship or your relationship with your family member. Slow your roll. Maybe sleep on it, right? Before you post that opinion that the world needs to see because you are convinced that the Lord has given you a word, remind yourself that the world is probably not ready for that word. Be slow to anger. Can I give you one of the most encouraging aspects of the character of God? You may have missed this. Our God is slow to anger. Oh man. Time and time again, we're reminded our God is slow to anger. Now he gets angry when it's appropriate to be angry. Anger born out of love, holiness, and justice. But when it comes to the foolishness of his children, that's you and me. When it comes to the type of anger that's justified and warranted, because sometimes we are absolute morons and we are unfaithful and stupid. Can I give you a good word? Your heavenly father is slow to anger. One of the most beautiful illustrations of this is Exodus 34, the children of Israel being led out of Egypt in slavery, walking across the Red Sea on dry ground. Moses called up into Sinai, there face to face with the Lord, comes down with the Ten Commandments, these two tablets, right? And Israel's worshiping a golden calf. Moses, like a golf club, tosses those tablets. They break. It's a mess. 
The Lord brings Moses back up on Sinai, gives him two brand new tablets to take down to the people. And you know what Moses says, or the Lord says to Moses in Exodus 34, here's what he says. I am the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and full of unfailing love. Did Israel deserve those tablets, that second set? Did they deserve the faithfulness of God? Did they deserve another shot to carry out God's will for them in the world? No! Why did God do it? Because he is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Here's the key for you and me right now. In any form of anger, righteous anger or unrighteous anger, in terms of our expression to ensure it doesn't settle and we don't live by it, is to slow it. Let be slow to anger, to lean into the power of the Holy Spirit, to pray to the Lord and to cast our cares upon him, to trust his power and providence. And then lastly, to work to bring healing in close proximity to the hurt. That's the manifestation of the Holy Spirit and being slow to anger. That's why Paul says this. Remember, here's what Paul said. Paul said this, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold in your life. Here's what happens. We get angry, we get hurt. Someone says you've done something to us and maybe our anger is justified. But what we do with that anger is if we don't address it immediately, if we don't try to seek reconciliation, if we don't work to have maybe a hard conversation, if we just let it settle, one day becomes two and two becomes three and then three becomes one week and one week becomes one month and all of a sudden we're carrying this settled anger on our heart and it manifests itself in our lives and we become more and more like this city with no walls. And now there are other things that, that press into us, that govern us instead of us governing them. And, and all of a sudden, here's what happens when we don't address the anger and as much as we can work to bring healing in the hurt so that the sun doesn't go down before we've addressed the anger in our hearts, we give the devil an opportunity to work. And you know how the devil works in your life and mine? Speculation. And you put your head on the pillow at night. You think, boy, I tell you what, when I see this person at work tomorrow, I see this person at school tomorrow, here's what I'm going to say. I mean, they're going to say this. Well, then I'm going to say this and it's going to be good. And we have that passive aggressive social media post, right? You know who you're talking about. And those closest to you know who you're talking about. Other people don't know who you're talking about, but you're gonna get them good. And you lay and you speculate. Can I just give you, especially those of you, you're young, you're newly married. You're, can I, let me just give you a word of encouragement, okay? The situation is seldom worse than the speculation. Can I tell you what I've learned in my life, in my work, in my marriage? The situation is seldom worse than my speculation. And there've been times I'm like, oh, I'm gonna say this. And I sit down and have a hard conversation. The person's like, yeah, I get it. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. You're not supposed to be this repentant and kind. I've got a whole lot of stuff I wanna say to you. It's really good. And I think, man, I, I sat up an hour and a half soaking and stewing. And it wasn't even as bad as I thought, you know? Here's why Paul says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Because you're gonna give the devil an opportunity. 
And so here's my encouragement to you. As much as you have the opportunity to pursue healing in the hurt, do it as soon as you can. Now, let me give you one more word of encouragement here, then I'm done. That move toward healing requires two people to be involved in order for reconciliation to take place. But forgiveness can involve only one. And there may be someone in your life that has no consideration for healing. They, they've hurt you, they've, they've grieved you, and they have no interest in talking to you and making things right and working toward reconciliation. Here's what you gotta do. You gotta turn that over to the Lord. Here's what the scripture teaches. The Lord is the avenger of his people. And I know there are times we go through deep hurt and the other person has no regard for that and is not interested in reconciliation. Here, here's, here's, what, here's what the scripture is teaching you to do. To, to, to address that before the sun goes down, to work toward healing in your life, to have a posture of forgiveness in conversation. And, and listen, you can get to a place where the Lord brings healing to your heart, even if the other person won't allow healing in the relationship. Forgiveness can involve you, one. Reconciliation always involves two or more. But here's what Paul is saying. There is an anger that's unrighteous. It's an uncontrolled anger. And when we allow that anger to have a settling impact on our life, not just that we lost our cool for a minute, but like when that anger begins to settle toward others or toward our circumstances and we don't address it and, 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 and we're not leaning into the Holy Spirit. We're not, we're, not, we're not citing God's word. We're not leaning into him in prayer. We're not trusting the fact that vengeance belongs to the Lord. When, when we're not doing that, then that anger settles in our hearts and we become bitter and we give the devil an opportunity. And you know what that's like? A city with no walls. And so here's my encouragement to you. As much as it depends upon you, in as close proximity as possible, move toward healing when there's hurt. So let me just keep it real. It's been times before I've gone to bed at night, late. I've had to go to one of my kids and say, I blew it. Hey, I'm sorry for the way I spoke to you. I'm sorry for the way I handled that situation. I'm sorry that I let my anger get the best of me. Would you forgive me? Now, is it true that my kids were probably out of line at some point and that they've worked to ruin my life and my testimony and ultimately they're to blame? Of course that's true. Do I pray one day when I have grandchildren that my grandchildren will emulate all the fault in my children so that I can laugh and point the finger and say, you're getting what you deserve. Yes. <laughs> no, for real, for real. Hey, whether something was justifiable or not, can I just be honest with you today? There's, there's been times I haven't handled myself as a father the right way. Here's what the scripture teaches. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And as much as it depends upon you and me, where we can bring healing when there's hurt, move toward the healing. Do not give the devil an opportunity. And I just wanna say before thousands today, how much I love my children, how grateful I am for them. And at times their forgiveness of their father. Because there's been times dads had to go and say, I blew it. My wife and I've been married almost 25 years. To be honest, there was one time I had to apologize to her for something I said. I mean, I was, you know, I mean, I was, you know, there was that one time 
we said, we're not gonna let the sun go down on our anger. That was on a Monday. And on Thursday, we finally went to bed. I mean, that's just kind of, I don't know. Anybody ever had that kind of thing happen? You know what I mean? <laughs> no, nah, there's been more than one time I've had to say to my wife, hey, honey, I'm sorry. Maybe she had a part to play in it, or maybe I felt like she had the majority. You know, it was a 75-25 equation. You know what? I don't control her 75 or 25 or whatever. The reality is, hey, where my heart is angry, where that anger is trying to settle, where the devil is trying to gain a foothold, I'm going to do what the scripture says to do. And before the sun goes down, or as soon as I possibly can, I'm going to own what I need to own. And even if there are some things that I can overlook or where love will cover a multitude of sins, I'm gonna do that because we don't wanna give the devil an opportunity. Whether it's at work, it's at school, it's with your family, your friends, hey, there are times where as much as it depends upon you, you can say, where there's hurt, I'm gonna to move toward healing and not give the devil an opportunity. And here's my hope with that, that you would avoid the roadblock of anger and you would really experience God's best in your family because God's best is not out there in the world for you to act like the world. Your citizenship is not in the world. Your citizenship is in heaven. And the Lord in the power of his spirit is working to bring joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. And as you lean into that, you discover what it means to live a life of grace. Not perfection, but grace.